0: This episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast is brought to you by Zyway Brand Fungicides by FMC.
1: Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now, here's your host, Jason Meadows. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: All right, everybody, welcome back to this episode of the Ranching Side Hustle Podcast, a series of the Ag State of Mind Podcast, which is a proud member of the Global Ag Network. With you, as always, is me, your host, Jason Meadows. But today, since it's a Ranching Side Hustle Podcast, is my buddy and co-host, Tyler Keckley. Tyler, how's things in Northwest Ohio?
2: Oh, we're we're fixing to thaw out. We got some snow this weekend, but uh it is sunny 50 right now, so a nice turn of events for yeah. the last two days.
0: It's sunny and 70 here today. It was yesterday it was like 30 and 20 mile an hour winds. So I mean it just it changes like that.
2: Yeah, we still have the wind. The wind is generally always here uh but it did yeah yesterday it was in the 20s and we we didn't get much snow but i talked to a buddy who's like 20 miles west of us and he probably got from the pictures he sent me like 4 or 5 inches of snow um we didn't get barely anything to even cover a, a our sidewalk at the house but um but yeah today it started it was snowing when we went to church this morning and when we came out of church, it was kind of trying to snow. But then as the afternoon went on, when I went and did chores, I actually didn't have to put like a big Carhartt coat on, nor did I have to put like uh, copious amounts of layers on like jeans and a vest were sufficient. That's great. I mean, that's like the best
0: time like whenever it's first starts warming up like this, it's you know spring's coming now I know there's gonna be a cold snap come before this um, or, you know before it's all set and done we it always happens but it's just like you're you're getting into the the time where things are like you know stuff starting to green up a little bit. I mean it's just like a time of this is like the time of hope in my <laughs> the way I see it.
2: Yeah I would agree to that. I mean, we've got some sprouts of green trying to come through some pastures, but we're also in this in between season of between winter and spring. Mm. And um, I'm not sure what you guys call it in Missouri, but we just call it mud. Um, yeah. And We have lots of it yeah. this year. Lots of it. Just yeah. that, that freeze and thaw and frost trying to push its way through the ground. And it's, uh, we basically spent a lot of time in the last two months prepping on how we're going to fix, all of the mud that was created um, either last fall or coming into, into, coming into spring.
0: Yeah, it's not as muddy here as it's been. Um, mostly these warm temperatures kind of take that out of the equation a little bit, which I'm thankful for. I mean, the ground's still wet, but we can get around in the fields now, and um, it's it's better. It's actually better than normal here, but also at the same time, it almost worries me because I don't want to end up in a drought either. So it's just, like, you know, where you're never satisfied with the weather. You're never satisfied with the conditions. It seems like something's always like, there seems like there's always something to worry about.
2: I think that's pretty consistent across all of agriculture. We're all, usually the most frustrated about the things we cannot control which the weather being the number one yep. the number one item right sure. and um, doesn't matter what kind of what kind of you know AG business you're involved in uh, weather always seems to be a, a, a hot topic or cold topic depending on what your day looks like where you're at yeah and today
0: is almost like a holiday for me uh, because it's and since this is the ranching side hustle podcast, I think a lot of people will kind of agree with this and the fact that daylight savings comes today, and that means I get an extra hour of daylight in the in the evening to uh, work with. How? What are your thoughts on daylight savings time?
2: <laughs> I I like the the sun staying up later. I, I guess the the actual changing of a clock seems a little monotonous to me yeah. at this point, uh, but yeah. I, I do enjoy, I do enjoy getting, getting a little more time in the evening. I mean, when I lived in Tennessee, the biggest struggle was in the wintertime because I'd go to go to work in the morning and it was dark. And before I left the mm-hmm. office in the afternoon, it was dark. And mm-hmm. so it's just that cabin fever through the winter really just really plagues people. Um, so I am, I am grateful for a little more sunshine. I mean, what, I think sun, sunset tonight is like 740 here. And okay. I will take that. <laughs> I will take that.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It'll get dark around seven here. Um, and that's, you know. It's for me, it's almost ideal because no matter what, it's pretty much dark in the morning anyway, because I get I get to work it. I mean, I leave the house most mornings at around five Um, and then. So, I mean, it's going to be dark no matter what time of year. So getting all that extra time in this in at night man, it just, it makes such a big, big difference for me. Uh, the one person that doesn't like it though is my wife because she knows I'm not going to be in the house as much.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think as kind of spring and summer roll on, I, I actually do appreciate it even more because my, I shift when I do my chores. So like throughout the winter, uh-huh. I'm I'm trying uh-huh. to get them done earlier in the day so I can actually not run off of the headlamp all the time, which still right. inevitably yeah. happens if if you're doing any kind of outside work in kind of the fall, winter, early spring months, you're 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 using flashlights, headlamps, whatever you've got. But I would say like as summer rolls on, i I might actually do chores more closer to evening. So like have dinner with the family or come home from work, spend time with the family, have dinner, and then then I can bomb out and still get chores done in the daylight. Um, yeah. It, and it's I can't cooler, say it's too. All, all that often, but it, it at least gives me Um, I guess, more opportunities to kind of be flexible within that evening schedule and not so fixated on just trying to get stuff done in the daylight because we generally don't have much problems, but there's always a, when it's dark and you're feeding cattle, whether that be feeder calves or big feedlot calves or cows, and it's not being able to see past what your headlamp shows you or the tractor lights have for some reason, just adds an ounce of, uh, and maybe I don't want to really say fear, but you just have a lot of anxiety Anxiety. going into that. Like, yeah. yeah, Like if cows are hungry, they can get a little pushy coming to feed or big feedlots too, same way. Um, so I guess I'm excited. I'm excited for the spring. I think it's, you know, the season of, of kind of hope and being able to kind of see that spring flush come in is going to be really, really fun. And I know, Here in Northwest Ohio, we're we're late. I know I've got buddies down south still on. They're on green grass now. Uh, We're not. We're not quite there. (laughs) We're not
0: quite there at all. So, uh, my dad always said here, April fifteenth is is our like. That's usually our no no point point of no return kind of. Okay. So what I've found is I try to feed hay if if I when I do start feeding hay, I try to push it out later. So I try to not start feeding as early. I try to stockpile a lot of that fall mm. growth and yep. then try to not feed as early. You know, not try I, I my goal is always to not feed until February first. Um, feed hay. That has not that didn't happen this year because we were kinda uh we were kind of short on grass. Uh, for, because of the fall drought. Um, but, but, but I remember when I was a kid though, we fed hay from Thanksgiving until April 15th, uh, pretty much. So, I mean, things, things have definitely improved here. Um, so, uh, I but I I try I, I find myself pushing that that date I feed into the spring longer and longer out because I well as you know you are a kind of a, um, in fact I think you're probably better than me as far as being a grass and soil nerd uh, is the longer you let that grass grow the better it's going to be I think we I think so many of us get very feverish on that green grass. We see that green grass and we're like, oh, we don't have to feed hay anymore. Where in fact that it's, we need to allow the cow, the grass to get out ahead of the cattle. And also the the grass just isn't as nutritious whenever it's in that first early, early growing stage. Um, So I found myself feeding hay later into the spring, but not starting as, early or trying to not start as early either.
2: Now, if that makes sense, it does. It does. I guess the question I have is, um, what really prompted you to want to change that feeding cycle? I mean, I think you look, and this is a very general statement, is a lot of people feed all winter, which would I would say Thanksgiving through, let's say, like somewhere between Easter and Mother's Day, right? Like it's going to be somewhere in that window, Mm -hmm. like April fifteenth to May fifteenth. Somewhere in that right. window, they they stopped feeding into spring flush. What made you want to push it back later into like feeding stockpiling grass? And then like what were some things that you did to like it, it it's one thing to say, my mind says I want to go and I don't want to feed hay until you know February first, right? That's the plan. What steps did you take to make sure you could do that? in a plan, right? This is kind of a budgeted Mm -hmm. plan. And then like what, what actually brought that to mind on, I want to do this. What reasoning, what reasoning was behind it?
0: When I found out how nutritious Missouri grass is in the fall. Okay. I I had no idea on, to be honest with you. I had no idea how much protein was in stockpiled grass and stockpiled fescue in Missouri in the fall. I mean, it's, it's incredible feed. It's incredible feed. And I had no idea because it was, it would look, I mean, it is, it's dormant. It's not growing. Uh, It's just sitting there, but that's why we call it stockpiled, right? Uh, It's saved. Um, So I didn't realize how nutritious it was. I didn't know how much protein was in it. So I thought once that, once we hit that first frost, like, oh, I got to feed, right? Because that grass is, if that grass is brown, it's not good. Um, But that's not the case. The, that grass is still good. Um, so I think that was probably when I realized that i said, well, what if, wait a second, what if I try to save that stuff? Um, and you know, one and Nicole masters, uh, said that I, I don't remember if it's in her book or if it was on a podcast that I heard her, but she said, you know, the biggest, the biggest problem that American grazers have is they just don't shut their gates. And, that was hmm. me i would just i would just let things roam as they wanted to i didn't take any really kind of planning into where they were when i just kind of let them go and uh not worry about it but ne- once i learned to like hey they have even if it's just a simple generic grazing plan like i'm gonna move them to this field on March 1st or February 1st or mm. even and earlier, you know, just being yeah. very, very intentional with where the cows were, when, um, that really changed the way. And as you know, cows will, cows will cotton pick the, the, the grass, they'll take the good stuff and mm-hmm, leave wow. the bad. Um, so getting more utilization out of the pasture, uh, was, uh, er, I mean, obviously that's a, it's a good way to, I mean, increase your profit uh, yep. to better utilize the ground that you have. So um, that's, those are the steps I took. It's just, it was, and I'm still like, I'm still discovering how to do it better. Um, you know, Jim Garrish says that uh, there, it's, th- 365 day grazing is possible especially in Missouri so um, I that's the goal one day is to not have you know, obviously I would always keep hay in case of a s- snowstorm which we get a few of a year not like you guys probably but um, just to you know keep some hay in the barn for a, for an emergency but for the most part 365 day grazing is is uh, possible and you know like and it, what's funny is so many of like the grass-based dairies are starting in Ireland Ireland and I had no idea Ireland gets about 300 days of grazing every year like I had no idea it's incredible how you know because you think of them being so far north but I guess that sounds nice the climate
2: yeah it's it,
0: it's, it's really I mean, if you don't have
2: to manage it that hard to get that many days of grazing sounds pretty good to me
0: so. yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Um, but, but yeah, that's kind of my, that was my thought and that's, I've had that kind of frame of mind for, I'm wanting to say about seven years now. Um, trying to trying to really squeeze the most out of the land and don't get me wrong. Now, I'm you... still learning. I still fail, but
2: yeah. Wow. Don't us, don't we all do that. Um, do you, You, I've I've been to a couple of little, um, kind of grazing workshops the last, uh, three weeks here. Um, do you guys do any like feed quality polls, whether that be in the spring, summer or fall on, whether that be stored hay or forage or like stop stockpiled grass to know, Hey, what are we lacking? Do we need to add some energy to these cows? Do you do any of that now? So I.
0: I have, you know, I didn't do it this past year. I don't know why, because I think it was just one of those things I didn't do. And I kind of regret it um, because it is, you can target your mineral. So we have a custom mineral mixer here um, that we use and they'll come out, they pull your stuff, they pull your hay, they pull your grass And they say, oh, this is what, and they, you know, they run a total sample on it and they give you a report and this is what you're lacking. And so we're going to bump this up in your mineral. Um, and it's very helpful. Uh, there's just a little, it's a little custom mineral place that actually is about two hours from my house, but they bring a semi, they have a semi that they deliver. Uh, they'll deliver 500 pounds of minerals to my house at a time, which will last me about a month. Um, and uh, yeah it's super helpful and um i've seen the performance of my herd just uh, just increase so much like i just used to uh, we used to just see so much winter slump in these cows and i Ooh. would it feel i feel like we would have i think that one of the biggest things that's changed for me and now this is management too um this is management too but one of the biggest things that's changed for me is i've seen my like cow loss, like my mature cow death rate drastically decrease. Mm. Um, I, I would have, I would have two or three almost, it seemed there for you. I mean, one fall we had like 11 or 12 cows die. Um, and it was just sickening. Just, I just, I was in, uh, such a, just state of just like dismay, Uh, I don't remember how long ago that was, but that was a bad year. Um, But I think that's one of the things I found, and I think my management technique has gotten better because I've become much more intentional on culling our cows uh, as getting rid of cows whenever they're not productive anymore instead of Mm -hmm. when they're about to die. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I I keep my herd a lot younger. I try to increase turnover rate in my herd a lot more. Um, but also, I do believe that I am supplementing them better with mineral. Uh, they're not lacking the things that they were once lacking, and I think that's come from us using a more custom type mineral provider. Yeah, and I know Definitely you're. Soon. I know you're a you're a big win or you're a big VitaFirm guy. Are you not?
2: Yeah, or- I've been I've been using VitaFirm for three years. This will be my uh-huh. third third or fourth year with them. I think when we bought the ranch, it, it's kind of a weird story. I I mean, I guess I'll just, I'll just go through it. I, I went to uh, Ohio cattlemen's association has a young cattlemen's conference, like a two day um, kind of workshop. And it's really just to get networking and try to get young producers involved in the association. And they just, they book you with a, they, book your room and they intentionally stick you with somebody else, which I'm not used to right for work. (laughs) Whenever we get our hotel, like it's very Mm -hmm. like strict, get your own hotel room. So like this one, it's like, nope, you're going to room with somebody. Well, the guy I roomed with ended up being, he interned on the same ranch I bought my bull from, which would be flying age. Oh, wow. And Uh he happened to be a Vitafirm rep. So like instantly we, like obviously we're both cattlemen. So it was really easy to just kind of kind of form a bond very fast over that and then him and I got to talking and he goes well you know I'd I'd love to come up and see what you're doing and and we were feeding um, Purina products at that point and we had just we'd really just had cow calf pairs um, real small cow calf pair group and then we were doing some feedlot cattle so everything was uh, loose mineral uh, and then we would feed some like one or two tubs on, on stress calves or, or calves. And then we would top dress everything with our, uh, our big steers. And he came up and just the service he provided, they had a product that fit just about every niche of our business. And so we've been, we've been running VitaFirm. Yeah. I think it's been about three years, three and a half years now, and been really happy with it. I, I'm sure we could get a custom blend, uh, whether that be from You know, one or two of the feed mills that are semi-close, but I've never Mm -hmm. asked them. And when I switched to VitaFirm, I was a little hesitant. I I think that their kind of their brand seemed very Mm -hmm. on the show side, and I think that's what a lot of people maybe associate them with. Um, Mm -hmm. They have they have products that. Are designed for the commercial cattlemen. That I believe, based on like my market where I'm at for my mineral, right? Like where you're at, where um, you know if I when I ranched out in Wyoming, where they're at, or Nebraska or Tennessee, like uh, those places might have different price structures just based on location mm-hmm. and, and availability. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was priced cheaper than going to the co-op or going to tractor supply. So like when people. Oh, really? Yeah, when people send me a note, they're like, "Oh, you must be, you know, no wonder you work off the farm. You're buying all that Vitafer mineral." I'm like, "Trust me, I know what I pay per bag and how fast I can can go through it. Like, this is cheaper than a lot of these other things I could use." Uh, but yeah, so regardless of that, we we switched to them and we've given them a try. And the fact that they've got a product that kind of services every niche of the business that we're in, it, which is several, has been really helpful and. Um, shout out to Ty. I don't know if he'll listen to this or not, but Ty is my mineral guy. He, him and I sit down maybe once or twice a year and walk through any changes I'm making to my business. And then what kind of mineral Mm -hmm. swaps we need to do to fit that. Um, Okay. We've tried some products from them. I was really hesitant to try, but have really liked. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I, I've been really happy with them. We're we're not tub people. The only tubs we use are stress tubs and that's just to keep either freshly weaned calves or feeder calves that's we buy calves, in. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We just try to keep their mouths busy, right? Like if, sure. if you start to feel like you've got a sore throat, if you can stick a, a cough drop, a sucker, um, like a yeah. piece of gum, something to keep your kind of your throat and esophagus, you know, wet, the chance of you, of that getting worse is, is minimized. And we try to do the same thing with those calves, And then we can also move them with that, right? Like we can, like a wean calf, right? Like we fence line wean ours, Uh we stick them in a paddock. We stick cows right next to them. They'll never, and of course the waters are never on that same fence line, like at our place, they're just never designed that way. So we actually use those lick tubs and we put it like right next to where their cows are going to be. And then we'll slowly move that lick tub closer and closer to water, or we'll stagnate two or three of them and they can stair step them way back to water. Um, that's the only lick tubs we use now. And, and as much as I like having those big tubs for flower pots or trash cans around the short sort and shoot, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not upset that I don't have those anymore. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been a fun transition out of, uh, the products we were using before to VitaFirm. Um, we do like loose mineral I, I, economics tell me to use that over the tubs. That's just me personally. Um, Yeah. But so, that's—I don't know. That's—I think that's a very personal decision. I, I think I, I can lean is. to the numbers really fast, but I've got some buddies that run tubs and they do it because of labor, right? Like, see, okay, I, hey, I can go set out three tubs and they're good for a month. I don't have to even worry about mineral. Versus and your times worse. I might have two mineral. Yeah. Right. And and I get that. And I also get, hey, we've got to pull these things into a barn. So we're going to try to slowly break them to get them closer and closer and closer. And that's one way we do it. Again, I do the same thing with stress calves. so I understand the thoughts. So I, I use loose mineral because I find it effective. I find it cost effective for me, but it's one of those things that I try to never skimp on. I think... Sure. When I was in Tennessee, the, the mentor, my air quotes, you guys can't see it, but my, my air quote mentor was a really good friend of mine, still is. They ran a bunch of stocker cattle and he always, always harped like your, your forage quality can be poor. Your supplement quality can be poor. One thing never to let be poor is your mineral program. Because you'll, mm-hmm. if you skip on that, you're, you're basically not allowing those poor quality forages to be upscaled in the rumen by having that lack of nutrition full through. So, and I think every mineral rep out there will tell you the same thing. Now, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and read some books and listened to lectures on folks that say, don't supplement cows with mineral because the ones that need it are the ones that are not your most productive. And right. they're uh-huh. going to cost you more. If you can find some cows that basically don't need mineral and they can, they can survive and function well, then those are the ones you need to find a way to keep and keep replacement heifers out of them. Uh, I've not fa- I've not fallen into that trap. I shouldn't even call it a trap. That's probably a little short of me. I'm not doing that because I don't, I don't think that's what I want to do. Um,
0: well, here's here's how I see that. But that's me. The the fact. Yeah, yeah. The here's how I see that. The if it if you can help them help a cow along, I find it's probably. And now I'm not talking about totally subsidize a cow. Like I'm not totally talking no. about totally propping no. her up. But if you can help a cow along. In, in, you know, in, in a way to make her the best cow that she can be for your operation. And if it takes something honestly as financially minuscule as mineral, as a good, you know, especially the difference in price in a average mineral versus a good mineral. I mean, a good yeah. mineral is so much better per prop, per, you know, per pound or per yeah. dollar than, uh, than an average mineral. And if you can just do that give that your cows that just little bit of boost. I think it's a financial no brainer, uh, because the, the benefits that you get from that money that you spend on a good mineral, I feel like is money. Well, it's money well spent, uh, because it is, it's an investment in your herd. It's an investment in the, the health, the reproduction value of, of your animals. Um, I just, I find it's very hard to spend too much money. I look at mineral like I look at a good bull. Mm. Uh, Yeah. To me, it's hard to spend too much money on a good bull. Yeah. Um, Within reason, right? Certainly. I'm not spending... I'm not spending $20,000 on a bull or anything for my operation. Um, But, you know, I, I would much rather have the quality I would get with a 3000 or $3,500 bull than I would with a $1,500 bull I'd buy from at at the sale barn on Tuesday. Uh, I look at mineral, I look at mineral the exact same way.
2: Yeah. I would say like the biggest change we've seen is in our, in our cow, cow herd, right? Like, the 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 vigor of our calves when they're born seems to be better when our cows Mm -hmm. are on sustained good mineral as well as that that cow right like she passes placenta a lot faster she's able to to really kind of get that calf up and moving like we've just seen that reproductive side um just really improve with the mineral switch that we've made i don't think we're using a poor mineral before either but it's just I think the makeup, the the design, the the program that you know maybe VitaFirm uses or that 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 we use has we've seen an improvement, and then we've seen it a lot in our stalker slash backgrounding phase of our business. I was going to ask you what's the what's <laughs> oh the, man because
0: I have a difference in mineral. I even use a different company for my oh, stockers yeah. and 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 my replacement heifers than I do for my cow herd, um, and I actually so I actually have a, I have a loose mineral that I feed to my cow herd. Um, but I, that, but I also, but I have tubs that mm. I feed to my stockers and my replacement heifers that come from a, 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 a buddy that actually funny enough is a co- connection that came through the podcast, believe oh, cool. it or not. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine named Colin chalk, he listens to the podcast and, uh, it's been a very beneficial relationship for me in seeing the improvement in performance of, well, I shouldn't say improvement in performance because this is my first time ever doing stalkers. Okay. So. uh, And you got heifers, right? Yep. 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 Yeah. 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 They're kind of on maintain mode right now. uh, Waiting on this green grass. They're not growing a whole lot right now, but they're just kind of maintain. And then once this green grass comes, they're going to blow up.
2: Yeah, I mean, our stalker calf business, the mineral has has always been a, a mainstay for us. Like we've we've never not fed mineral to our stockers, whether that be when uh-huh. we lived in Tennessee or when we moved up here and kind of restarted that business a couple of years ago. But it's always been a mainstay. And and again, I kind of lead that back to my mentor and really good friend John. He just he just always told me like, dude, do not slump on that. Like you can you can get calves through some crappy forage and some crappy parts of their life, which is the stressful ones, right? Like fresh out of the sale barn, fresh weaned. Uh, you can get them through to a certain extent with a really good mineral. And, and we still use Vitafirm for that. They've got, they've got a product, um, product line that we use. Um, I'm not sure how much shout out I'll give them, but we use their stocker grower. Um, and they're, I think it's a, called gain smart stocker grower. If I remember, right. I just call it stocker grower. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, it's a loose mineral. They, I think they do have it in tubs, um, but we use it in loose and we've, we've seen those calves, especially this time of year when we're buying them out of the South, they'll come with some hair on them. When it starts warming up, they'll slip And our cow herd does the same thing. They'll slip hair fast. Um, get them really into walking shape for us. And it just, it just keeps them, keeps them moving. Um, we've seen, some performance gain. When we look at like rate of gain, we've switched our grazing from, I don't want to call it a continuous grazing, but we're rotating them, but we're rotating them. uh, I would say pasture by pasture. Uh And so we are looking at like a seven to 10 day graze, and then we'd move them Mm -hmm. to now we're moving like in the summertime or even spring, we'll start moving our stocker cattle two to three times a day, depending on the forage. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the forage that's either we just left that we're trying to get back to in 30 days Mm -hmm. or the forage that's like a week away or two weeks away. Like it's, it's got less to do with the they are walking into. It's got more for more to do with the they are going to walk into in the future. Uh, But our stocking densities really went up and we found out that when we do that, they're going through so much. You, you gotta keep something in front of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And we've always, we've always found mineral to be just a highlight like, We've been, I mean, we were running like one and a quarter pound of gain a day on stocker cattle with little to no mineral, um, or even a lick tub to, you know, we're pushing one five to one eight, depending on this, you know, the time of the year they're in and which if they're here at our house or up at our ranch, um, here at our house, we got a little bit different forage makeup than we do up there. We got a lot more legumes here. So mm-hmm. they get a little bit better protein level um, and, and energy here than they do up there. But regardless, we have seen some performance gains. I'm not going to contribute all of that to VitaFirm because we're in the middle of our kind of uh, a little more intensive managed grazing. When we switched, we were already kind of doing uh-huh. that. Uh huh. So what's, But it has you know, been a big thing. I mean, what's it,
0: what's it attributed to? Oh, truly, you know, yeah. You I, know, I,
2: I actually mean. think a lot of it has to do with um, our stocking density. So, Uh and I had this conversation Thursday night at a kind of a, it was an NRCS meeting. They were talking about cost share programs and, and a producer came up and and asked me like, you know, he's like, Hey, I know you mentioned that they do, they do fences, but, and, and how one of the speakers said, if you can rotate cows every three to seven days or cattle three to seven days, you're like, you're meeting their optimum. And I, I didn't agree with that based on my experience and what I've read and listened to. And so this guy came up and talked to me. I said, he goes, well, what's your stocking density and, and how often are you moving them? I said, well, my stocking density is like 30. My goal is about 30 to 35,000 pounds to the acre, but mm-hmm. I'm only doing that with like 15 or 20 stocker calves. So mm-hmm. I'm only giving them a third to a quarter of an acre for you know eight hours or 12 hours depending on how much forage we have and, and really what the ground looks like if, if it's really soft we're gonna give them a little more country just because we don't want to plug it up too bad but um for us we're gonna shoot for a, a stocking density and what we've seen in our part of the country is when we move those cattle that grass and that forage it comes back so much better i mean it is so much faster to regain its composure and it's not like You know, when you graze something, uh, it takes it like four or five days for it to really want to reset itself and start growing again, where we've noticed like within a day or two of grazing, you'll see fresh lush grass popping back out of, you know, pretty heavy graze. Like we don't follow the take half, leave half rule. We we're really looking Mm -hmm. again, we're looking forward into grass. So there's sometimes we graze forage down to an inch tall and everybody might say, well, that's you're ruining it. You know, it's going to produce, it's going to try to drive too many nutrients into the ground and not going up. But within a day, you'll see this like brownish grass that's been grazed to the dirt to a certain extent and covered in mud. And then two days later, a day later, it's, I mean, it's bright green, lush popping again. Um, So we've been able to switch our kind of our turnaround per pasture from maybe once every 35 to 40 days down to like every 21 to 28 days depending on the weather right like we talked they're, about earlier
0: so they're almost like they're almost like lawnmowers in that's a sense. Exa- i mean that's we, like-
2: so that was the one thing i followed right like i was listening to a podcast and in the the gentleman speaking i i'm not going to remember his name it was on um it was on the working cows podcast which i know you and i are uh-huh. both fans of and they were talking about how you can convert cattle from selective grazers which we discussed earlier right they're going to go through and kind of cherry pick uh-huh. the the best sure. grass that they want right the most palatable is generally probably the first one they're going to go to well what i do with that huge stocking density is i make them non selective grazers they don't they basically we limit the amount of forage they have in front of them. So they're forced to eat it all. They're if that forced makes sense. to eat it all. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, it's, it's really limited the amount of weeds we have because if they don't eat it, they stomp on it because they're, so, they're packed. I mean, if you right. go back through like my Instagram feed and look back last summer, you'll be able to see some pictures. These cattle aren't like in a mob where there's like no room for them to move. They've got, they've got space around them. Um, it's like, think of a basketball court and I've got like 15 head of feeder calves on, Like A basketball court or a hockey rink, it's, it's not, it, they're not like packed into like sardines is maybe what I'm trying to get after. So they have plenty of space, but like our thistle problem, which we used to, I still hate thistles, but we don't deal with them as much because those cattle, like if the cattle don't graze it, which they do, cattle will graze thistles. I know people don't think they will, but they will. If they don't graze them, there's like one left in a pasture and I can just go out there and break it off with a pair of boots. Um, and then it's done. Like we don't deal with that problem anymore. But I would say that switching them to non-selective grazers has been a huge help for us. Um, but it's you gotta manage it, right? And so, you know, like we're planning out right now, I think I'm gonna be gone in June, like two whole weeks in the month of June that like I'll be gone like second half of the second week of June. And then like all of the third or fourth week of June. And so now I'm like already planning grazing for those windows because I really don't want to force my buddy who's going to do chores for me to have to come here twice a day and, and move cattle. So it's like, okay, do I destock or do I just set up pasture rotation where I can stockpile in a, in a paddock where we can cut them loose for a week and then walk away. And he, he just has to come here and make sure they're still inside of a fence and alive. Like that's it. Sure. Um, sure. But regardless, I would say the, I would say the biggest change for us, and we're slowly trying to make this change at our ranch, our fences up there aren't quite built. Um, They weren't ever built with the intention of pretty heavy stockpile grazing or or heavy like managed grazing, like what we're doing with the high stocking density. The fence I built here at my house, we, I built it and designed it to do that. Like that was the entire intent of how I got them built was to manage that grazing way more efficiently. So we have probably more paddocks here than where a lot of people would just because I needed some semi hard interior fences that I could still utilize in kind of a strip grazing model, if that makes sense. Right. Sure, sure, sure. But we haven't started really grazing yet. So we're probably, I would say every bit of a month, 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. I, it just depends. I mean, if we can, I think all of next week, it's supposed to be highs in the sixties here. Um, yeah, same here. We'll probably really get, I, I, I would imagine frost will really get pushed out of the ground next week and we'll really start to see some, some greenness. And I'm like you, like you mentioned earlier, I, I would much rather feed hay for an extra week or even two before I push cattle on, um, on that grass. Yeah. On that I grass. I mean, it's just, there's not as much nutrients episode. in that spring flush. Yeah. It's like 99% water. Um, yeah. And it goes right. It literally, Oh my gosh. Don't stand right behind group. that group of cattle. Good yeah, night. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. so we do generally wait a little bit, but we don't want to wait too long where we're, we're then trying to fight ahead of it. Cause I don't like clipping pastures. I just, I don't like the cost of it. Um, I'd rather graze yeah. it. But sure. regardless, we're probably a month or forty days away from grazing, um, which works out really good. I just brought up a group of stalker calves last Saturday, not yesterday, the week before, um, from the day that we're recording this, um, and we'll hold those at the ranch on kind of our backgrounding lot f- for another three to four weeks. Which actually, it, I didn't plan it that way; it just kind of the way it worked out. Um, we're on a we're doing a feed trial for them for a, a feed company. Um and so when we come off of that feed trial, hopefully that'll be in about a month or just over a month. Uh, they'll be able to come on the grass here at my house. That's the plan at least. Of course, it's always subject to right. change. So Right.
0: Right. 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 So, okay, we have about honestly, I'd like to about 10 minutes left here. Perfect. And I want I want to shift some I want to shift here. Okay? And you say we when you talk about your operation, I want to talk about how your what what role Amy plays into Southern Roots Ranch, and then I'll kind of share how Carrie plays into ours.
2: Yeah, so I say we a lot because it's not just me. It's it, mm-hmm. and it's not always just Amy and me, right? Like it's sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Like I've got a group of friends that. We talk, you know, a lot of us daily on different aspects of the business. And so it's kind of a a group effort regardless. But um, speaking of Amy, my wife, um, I would say her primary role is she gives me the margin to go do it, right? Like she takes care of the house and the kids that allows me to go out and do this, which is a huge help, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think it gets undervalued a ton. I try not to undervalue it at all. It gives me the margin of time to go to go and do that. Um, right. I would say when you look at like tangible responsibilities, when it comes calving season, which for us will start, I think, uh, based on dates that we have, like April 10th is the start of our calving season, um, plus or minus, you know, a week or two. Um, but regardless during calving season, she is, she's really interested in, in calf health, and um, kind of watching over those cows, and and really, she's she's got a detailed mind, so she's able to kind of really notice the difference in those cows as they progress into into calving. Um, I'm more of like, hey, I got to go feed these cows, or I got to move these cows, so I'm going to go do that plus these ten other things. Where mm-hmm. she's much more like, hey, you unroll the hay, drop me off, and I'm going to walk through them and look at them, or I'm going to make sure mm-hmm. this calf mm-hmm. is doing well. Um, on the other side is she has been starting to do for our freezer beef side of our business and really even our our kind of cow-calf um, and stocker business. She's been doing a lot of our bookkeeping lately, which is a big part of the business. I enjoy, I'm a numbers guy, um, mm-hmm. but she's really taken hold of like, here's my customers. Like we took four head of freezer beef in two weeks ago. She's, she's totally comfortable with, Hey, give me the list of customers and I'll, I'll get all the invoicing done. And it seems very minuscule. It would, it probably takes 30 minutes or so to get the invoicing for four head of freezer beef done, but it's 30 minutes. Um, And it's not just the time it's a gesture for me. So in the, depends on what group of calves we have here. A lot of times I'll need her help just to move cattle because If we're using our tumble wheels, sometimes it's better with two people than one. Tumble wheels was new to us last year. I don't know if you've seen them or not. I'll, uh, yeah. If you guys haven't seen those tumble wheels, I think Gallagher makes the ones that we have. Um, We've really liked them, but you got to keep that fence hot because if you don't, cattle will wreck those things. Yep. Uh, And Gallagher, if you listen, the orange clips need to change instead of giving us orange clips, just pack it full of zip ties and that'll be way better. Um, the orange clips are not friendly to anything. Um, that was a, sorry about that soapbox, but regardless, Amy is more on the like bookkeeping and then she, she manages the non-farm stuff that needs done, right? Like our family still needs to function and kids still need to get places and, um, like the house still needs managed even when the ranch is going on if that makes sense so So i think it it makes a lot of sense
0: to me because i've i mean that's exactly i mean you know some of the some of the things that happen here are different but i mean for the most part that's exactly how carrie like contributes here she's she runs the kids to and from school uh she you know cooks for our house she's grocery shops for our house i mean the things that like i i don't know how i would ever do them like i and i don't mean that i mean i could do them but like the it's just it, our lives are so much better because she does do them and uh, it just makes my makes everything just so much smoother for me um because I, and I and she kind of she talked about this at whenever she was or not, she didn't talk, she talked about this after, but she realized this when she was at Cultivate and Courage a couple of weeks ago. And she talked about how she always was afraid, like she didn't fit in with that farm wife club mm-hmm. or whatever, because because she wasn't super active in it which she's not. And it's okay. I mean, she, she, well, I mean, until like you say calving season and she's especially our heifers, she checks our heifers multiple times a day throughout calving season, just walks through them, sees them, gets to know them. Um, You know, that's her favorite thing that we do is calve heifers. So uh, I try to indulge her on that uh, as as well as I can. Um, But like, it's so much more than you, her being an active part of the operation. I mean, I go to work, yeah. and she, you know, she does the she does the things that nobody talks about. She, you know, checks the heifers while I'm at work. She sends me, she yeah. does Facetime calls with me to see, you know, when something looks out of the ordinary, and I can assess them. Like, um, uh, but she also makes sure our family functions in a in a way that I don't have to worry about it. Like, I don't have to worry about what time my kids eat dinner because Carrie's taking care of it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so grateful for, I mean, that's just a little things like that. Yep. Uh, and I think that's a really important point to play here in when you have a ranching side hustle, uh, enterprise is, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, you don't have to necessarily be like do, two people doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, I got but, you. But you do have, you do have to be on the same page yeah. if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. uh, and, no. and I think it's more efficient if not if p- two people have different interests in, in what they're doing, uh, no. because it, it allows the person a space to do the things that they enjoy um, instead of the things they have to, that, that they kind of uh, have to muscle through.
2: Yeah, she's, I mean, Amy is the one thing I didn't mention, which is probably the biggest deal of them all is. You know, she's like my primary sounding slash venting board, right? Like yeah, on what's that really for? tough days, you know, she's my go-to and she's, those days are the rock. She's the rock that I need on those days. I mean, um, I think it was, it wasn't last spring, but maybe the spring prior, it might've been last spring. I can't, I think it was. Um, we had had calf got chilled. Um, we brought it into the barn I sat with it for like four or five hours and then I went home and slept. Amy came up. She sat with it for four or five hours. I came back and we were both there. Like we tried, I mean, we tried everything, absolutely everything. And, and finally I just told her, I said, Hey, we've done everything we can to support this calf. Um, it's gotta have, it's gotta have its own fight. Like if, if this calf's not willing to fight, let's, it's just, is what it is. So let's get the cow. The cow is already close to the barn. I said, let's put them in a pin together. See if maybe the the bond can help bring this calf back. And and that calf didn't end up making it. And it was rough mm-hmm. on both of us, but mm-hmm. it was both of us together. Right. And so I think that, um, I don't know the, I think kind of go in line with your podcast, that mental stress, anxiety side of a business where a vast majority of the stuff we have no control over, right. The weather, the true health of a calf, we don't have control over. We have mitigating factors we can place, but we, we don't have control if they get sick or don't get sick. We can just try to control what we can. Um, you know, her role as kind of my semi peacekeeper has been, um, has been so helpful. So, so helpful. Um, along with all of the other little things, right? Like, Hey, I need you to run, or I'm at the ranch. I'm, I'm busy. I need to. I need you to grab this. Okay, I'll come grab it. Or it was a couple of years ago, we were cabin, and I get really antsy around cabin season, really super stressed. And sure. uh, cow was cow was taking her sweet old time. It was a mature cow, but she was taking her sweet old time cabin, and just wasn't progressing. So I was getting really nervous. And Amy's just like, "Hey, can you go to the barn and grab this for me?" As she's like watching this calf. I'm like, "Oh yeah, sounds good." And she just knew I just needed to get away and I would de-stress. And of course, by the time I made it, I wasn't even back yet. Cal had had her calf, right? Like all my stress was gone. Right. Yeah. And, uh, the only frustrating is, you know, our ranch is about 10 minutes from the house. So we don't get to see every calf born. And I think that frustrates Amy to a certain extent. Um, but, uh, but no, it's just having that person that knows you super well and knows how you react to things and being able to be there for you. Um, because this is not, this life is not easy. Uh, a ranching right. business is not is not always easy. So having a person that can be there for you when you need them, and or when you need it, and even when you don't know you need it, they know it, um, and they can step in and kind of help you walk through those muddy times. Yeah, I mean it's it's a big part. Like I mean
0: it's it's a, 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 to me. I mean to have a well functioning. I mean, not just ranching business, but just any type of small family business, you know, the the marriage has to work first. Yep. Um, yeah. The marriage has I'm, to work first and that, that has to be the priority. Of course. And then everything else falls in the line after that. If,
2: if Amy told me today, hey, it's either us or the cows, which I don't think she'd ever quite get to an ultimatum that fast, but let's say she did you'd see a for sale sign on everything. And quite frankly, I might not even put a for sale sign on it. Our local sale barn sells Mondays. I'd load or Mondays and Tuesdays. I'd load them up and roll them out. Like it's just that if that's what it is, that's I'm not married to these cows. Um, So yeah, but I know we're cutting short on time. So I've got one question to ask um, and I can even answer it too. But I think, you know, if, if we want to say we're having a ranching side hustle, we eat beef, right? So what is a meal that you've had in the last week or a meal you want to have in the next week that has beef as kind of the, the mainstay protein? What's that menu item look like for you, Jason?
0: Oh man. So <laughs> I told you I had
2: a surprise question. Okay. No, no, no,
0: no. This is really good. Okay. Okay. And this is Perfect. 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 Oxtail soup or oxtail Ooh. stew. Okay. So my friend at work, he's a he's a nurse anesthetist, Anest, nurse anesthetist. I think that's how that comes out. Anyway, sure. sounds good uh, to me. <laughs> yeah, he we were talking about um, we were just talking about eating food, and he's talking about man, I just love I love oxtail oxtail stew. And, uh, if you, if you, you gotta go back a ways, unfortunately, but our last ranching side, well, our only guest so far, uh, Allie Fender, she showed, uh, when she was doing one of her, uh, one of her beef processors, you know, the home processing, uh, on, on her Instagram a few years ago, uh, she showed the meat that is in that oxtail. I had no idea uh, that would look that, that was so meaty and so well marbled. Like it's just, it's superior, like meat. And I had no idea. And I'm almost like ashamed to say I had no idea because you just, I mean, again, I'm ashamed to admit this, but if I got an, first of all, if I get a, if I split a beef, um, I usually say, Hey, the other, the other person, like, I don't want this, I don't want this oxtail if you want it. Or even and if I do get it, I would usually give it to the dogs. Um, but I'm now like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to keep it and I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm going to, so I don't know if it's going to be in the next week, because I don't think I have any, but, um, the next time I get one of my beef processed, I am going to have the oxtail and I'm going to try and make an oxtail stew with it.
2: Well, that makes two of us because, you know, we've been selling freezer beef for like six years and I've never kept an oxtail ever. Uh Uh, We had, we had one, I had one customer, um, and his, his in-laws, when they would come into town, um, like they would make an oxtail dish and it's like a delicacy where they're from. So they would, and they obviously are really good at it. So he would actually Every customer of mine that goes and hauls in freezer beef, one of the questions I, I always I always offer to him is like, "Hey, if if these items you don't want, let me know and I'll buy them back." Generally, it's like briskets. Now it's oxtails. Got one customer that wants all of the tallow, um, and so it's like all these random things. Well, he always bought my oxtails. Well, they moved, and so now like getting him oxtails is a little more challenging. Um, mm-hmm. So I will. I've got some beef going in. Uh, April or May for us, I'll have to keep it and I'll have to find a good recipe and, uh, and bust one out too. So that, that makes two of us with the Oxtail. There we go. So. Yeah. Isn't that funny? That's funny. So.
0: Crazy. I, so with, and keep it in line with what you're saying, talk to us. I'm going to, I'll put this question out on our social medias. Let us know what kind of beef you guys are eating. And this is to the audience. Uh let yep. us know what kind of what you know, what if we're both beef producers, we love beef. Obviously, we're passionate about it and we want to know what you guys are eating, what's
2: on your plate. Yeah. Or even if you got a really good recipe, share that baby out. Yeah. I mean that's sure. Yeah, I mean, or sure. don't well, be I mean, like, with it? You can you can say like tonight we're having spaghetti, right? Like, hey, spaghetti and sure. ground beef, bingo. It's a mainstay in our house. We go through a lot of ground beef, and that's if that's oh, what's we on go your plate. So much ground beef. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. yeah, but you know what? I'm not upset about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, yeah share no, out either. what um, what beef cut is either on your menu or uh, or even like if it's oxtail or hanger steak or. Uh, flank steak or flat iron like a cut that you've not yep. you've heard of but you've never tried maybe share that out too sure yeah yep yep
0: so all right buddy well thanks again as always uh I look forward to these conversations every month with you uh we had it it was one week later than it was supposed to be this month but you know, I think that's okay uh, it happens <laughs> yeah so uh next week next month I think we're going to have a guest on um, so uh, everybody, look forward to that, and uh, I'm just uh, very grateful for the opportunity to do this because it's something that I know I'm passionate about, and I know Tyler's passionate about, and I know so many of you are as well. So uh, I thank each and every one of you for listening. Uh, thanks to Tyler again. Uh, appreciate you, buddy, and I appreciate you sharing this with me.
2: Yeah, man. Thanks for the invite, as always. And uh, look forward to uh, the interview guest we have next week. It should be a good one. So uh, catch you guys next week or next week, next time. It probably won't be next week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower, Nathan Davis, about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AgStateOfMind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.